This is Shut Up Mom, Mom. a Hive Collective production, a safe space for moms by mom. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Shut Up Mom, a podcast produced by Hive Collective. Um, We're your hosts, Bethany, Dora, and Maria. Today we're going to be speaking with um, Maureen Alvarado. Um, we're so excited to have her. She is such an awesome woman <laughs> and friend. Before we introduce her a little bit more, we're going to do an icebreaker and go around and say our favorite book. Mine is the one that I read most recently, The Parade by Dave Eggers. It's like a really quick read, but there's a lot of incredible just like the way that he describes things is just really unique and just keeps you reading and reading and reading more and more. So I'll go next. Dora here. I also love Dave Eggers. I need to read more of his books. But one book that comes to mind that I really love is called Love Does by Bob Goff. And it's a nonfiction book about this guy's life and just how he like lives this very whimsical life and loves in a really radical way. And it just makes me want to be like, more loving and graceful towards people. So I really love that book. Definitely recommend it. What about you, Maureen? So most recently I read The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo (laughs) by Taylor Jenkins Reid. It's like pretty popular right now. And that's definitely one of my favorite books, even though it was most recent. Um, But a few years ago, I read a book called Stolen by Lucy Christopher. It's a total psychological mind. It's crazy. Um, (laughs) And that's probably like one of my all-time favorites uh but I read a lot of books so those are the two I can think of the last book that I actually like read read that I really loved uh really liked was Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell it was really interesting it was very informative it was just about like all our miscommunication and like all this like it it went into like one of the um uh, Sandra Bland yeah yeah who like it just like went through like her miscommunication and the cops miscommunication and it was just Really, really interesting. It was a really good read. That was a good one. Malcolm Gladwell is awesome. Yeah. And the reason that we wanted to do an icebreaker about books is because Maureen is always posting on her Instagram about books she's reading lately. So I think you're doing like a monthly first like subscription on books, right? I joined the book of the month club, which is just like a club where you pay, I don't know, $15, I think a month and they send you like a hardcover book, you pick it out, you pick out a five. And then if you want one of the other five after you pick one, you pay like $10 for it or something. So yes, I joined that and I love it. And I love talking to people who have read that book and getting their take. But then I also am reading the Harry Potter books in order for the first time since like sixth grade or something. I don't know. (laughs) I love that. And I'm also so excited to have you on Maureen because we have been friends for so long. We've been friends since high school yes, and all throughout college and we still are close. And so it's just such an awesome time to have you on and just, I'm excited to hear your story because I know that, you know, when I moved to Cambodia, we weren't in touch as much and it's just going to be really great for me to just hear your experience and just open my eyes. And I also just thought back to high school and how we were so into Twilight and reading the Twilight <laughs> books. We were like, I sound like a book nerd on this podcast right now. 
but it's okay. That just makes you sound super smart. And also, yeah, so Maureen and I, we were like diehard Twilight fans and would literally go on opening day, like at midnight. Yes, I'm totally like calling us out right now. But that was our past selves. And like, that was was such a fun fun. moment. Yeah, there are worse things. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Yeah, no, it's so great. Oh, great. There are worse things than liking Twilight, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, Maureen, I'm so excited to have you on. I know when you uh, originally filled out our little interest form about being on our podcast, we had a bunch of subjects that you can kind of like click a box and say, yeah, like I'd be interested in speaking about this. But you also wrote in miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And I know that's such a heavy topic and it's something that you have had to deal with. And I, and I just felt like because you wrote it in, it must be important to you. And so I really was hoping that you could share your experience because it's something that I would love to learn more about and be more supportive in for moms that are going through that. So I want to start with this question of, you know, we always talk about at Hythe Collective, it takes a village to raise a child, but where's our village? So I want to know where your village was at um, at the time that you were experiencing your miscarriage. Um, so I am Maureen, I'm more commonly known as Mo. That's probably what you guys will call me. And I have been married to my high school boyfriend, Frankie. Um, I think we've been married for eight years, I'm pretty sure. And But we've been together for 14. And we have two little boys. We have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. They are wild. Someone actually in the park today said to me I, that I don't see often. She was like, I see your kids on Instagram all the time. You know, like they're always doing crazy things. I feel like they're famous. I feel like I only know you through like your boys' Instagram stories. And I'm like, great. That's cool. I mean, they're not their Instagram stories, but it's them on my Instagram because they're always doing something insane, which is fun. Um, keep me on my toes. <laughs> Um, but I work full time. Uh, all moms work full time. I work full time outside of the home for a contracting company. I do commercial real estate. And so, yeah, miscarriage is something that is important or sensitive to me, and I'm sensitive to it in other people. And so, my first pregnancy um, was a miscarriage. And then, what a lot of people don't know, except Bethany, because she has some some pregnancy powers is that I did also have a miscarriage last year in 2021. Mm. And I knew when, when I was filling out your questionnaire and I wrote in miscarriage and then you got back to me with dates and I thought that you just like click whichever ones work for you. I didn't know that whichever one I clicked on would be the one. And then when it came back to me and said it would be the 13th, I was like, oh, they're definitely going to ask me to talk about miscarriage because today should be my due date. Oh, yeah. Which is interesting. Um, So a bit of a rough day, but my my second miscarriage was way different than my first. So my first miscarriage, I uh, my husband is a musician. He was on the road. He went on tour for five months and I moved. We gave up our apartment. We sold our things. I moved in with my sister. He went on the road and he came back in those five months, like maybe four times. Like we never saw each other. But one of the times he came back, I happened to get pregnant. <laughs> we know how that goes. He went back right back like two days later on tour. A few weeks later, I'm like drinking milk, which is weird for me. And I threw up on the train once and my sister's like, you're pregnant. And I'm like, well, my husband doesn't live here. I'm probably not pregnant. A few days later, I didn't feel good. I went to the doctor. I'm like, I think I have, I think I thought I had like, um, 
a bladder infection or something. I don't remember specifically, but went to the doctor. They were like, oh, you're fine. Try X, Y, and Z. I get home to my sister's and I get a call from, it was like an urgent care doctor. And they're like, please call us back right away. So, you know, you're like, I'm dying. That's it. It's over. (laughs) And I call back and she's like, we, you know, just wanted to do like some extra panels on you and you're pregnant. And I was like, I mean, I'm like on birth control and I don't, what? (laughs) Like I literally, I was standing, it was August. I was standing outside at my sister's. And I dropped onto like the grass and knelt down and was just like, mm. what? It, and it's not that we didn't want kids. We knew we eventually wanted kids, but like not the, the optimal time. But, you know, the doctor was like, because you're feeling pain, you know, please go to the nearest ER. It's not emergent, but, you know, just ask them to like run some blood work and actually, you know, see if they see a sac, do a sonogram, yada, yada. So I go, they confirm it and I'm pregnant. And I was just like, okay, we're doing this. I guess this is happening. And I don't know about everyone else, but I think it's probably common for moms. um, But the second you find out you're pregnant or pee on a stick or whatever it is, you go into, okay, what would be my due date? And what about names? And is it a boy or a girl? And like, what, when will we tell people? And how will we tell them about the gender? And, you know, like you, you, a hundred percent of your mind space is filled up with being a mom. I mean, you're literally transforming from who you were to who you're going to be. Right. Um, So it's so consuming. And I, it's one of those things like I never knew I wanted this. And now that I have it, it's everything I want. But then coupled with, oh my gosh, I'm petrified and my husband's not here and we literally don't have a place to live. And I'm living in my sister's. And my sister was actually pregnant at the time. She was five months pregnant with my niece. So it was exciting and scary and weird and crazy. And as quickly as it happened, it was over. I went to, uh, like most OBs make you wait until you're a certain amount of weeks pregnant. I think it was eight. I went and they basically were just like, you're not pregnant. And I was like, uh, whoa, like I went to an ER. They told me I was, what do you mean? I don't feel well. And I was at this appointment and my sister came with me and I was so, I was, yeah, I was 24 and I was so embarrassed or like confused or hurt or I'm not really sure. So I, um, I left, I walked right out of the appointment. I didn't even pay. Like I had to call back to pay. I just like walked out. I was, they were explaining like, oh, maybe you had a chemical pregnancy and it turned up positive. And I, I literally couldn't even get the words out to say, no, I had a sonogram, you know, like I couldn't explain myself cause I was too hurt. I, I didn't understand, you know, you don't know until you know. And then Long story short, I ended up going back a few days later by myself and they just, um, you know, they had to confirm that nothing, you know, everything needs to come out, not to be um, gross, but they need to give you like a protocol. And, and that was like by far the most devastating like thing um, that I had ever been through. And there were so many reasons why. Frankie wasn't here, my husband, right? Talk about a village. Like I, I at least needed a partner, <laughs> um, which is no fault of his own. He was on tour. That that was our, um, and he was like, let me come home, let me come home. But I was just like so broken or, or empty, I guess. And then, you know, Mimi was saying like, we've been um, friends for a long time. And I did have a, like a, a 
what we would call a village, right? Um, it was a, a really solid group of friends, uh, but none of us had kids yet. And I don't know if you understand village until you have kids, although we were a really tight-knit community. But because of how hurt and, oh my gosh, just distraught I was, and that Frankie wasn't here, I never really said anything to anyone. And I felt really alone and sad. But at the same time, it was so important to me, after a few weeks, to talk about it to to make it known and for whatever reason I just like I felt compelled to tell my parents and tell Frankie's parents even though he was away I don't I don't remember if it was because I wanted them to know why I was acting weird or I like in a way I felt like they deserved to know like that they had a grandchild you know I don't know why I felt like that but I did Plus, I was a wreck. <laughs> um, so I needed, I just like needed people to know. And the more I spoke about it, the more, honestly, the better I felt. Like, gosh, talk about stigmas, man. Miscarriage and infertility. And there are so many stigmas. I could go on and on. So yeah, I, I needed people to know about it. And I've really never hidden it. And I don't, I don't remember Mimi, but it was like weeks after that I told you and Sean and Deanna and Richard and Cody and all of our friends. And I never really stopped. Like if anyone asked or if the subject came up, um, I never hid it. It was just always a part of me. And I think so much of that too is me honoring that life, you know? Yeah, It was like a, a big thing when someone uh, Frankie and I loved passed away. And I guess he was the first person to pass away after losing our baby. And the first thing I could think was, you know, in a joyful way, he gets to meet our baby before we did. Um, you know, I, I know that there's a lot of controversy, but for me, I do believe that as soon as conception happens, that's a life. And my baby did have a soul, you know, um, they had a heart, you know, and so, yeah, it's important for me to honor that life. What was helpful was my village and just, um, gosh, all of our friends were, and I don't even know if they knew it because no one was a parent yet, but they were supportive. You guys were um, there for me. And thankfully for me, and I know it's not the same for everyone, I did get pregnant only three months after with Trey. And I did find out that I had like a hormone issue and we nipped that in the bud right away. And thankfully, I did get, after a, a treacherous pregnancy, I did get like a, a healthy um, baby. So yeah, that, I'm sorry, that was a little long-winded, but that was my first miscarriage. No, that was so, um, so amazing to hear you share that story. And I will never forget sitting in Deanna and Richard's first apartment yeah. on Roosevelt, yeah. tiny, tiny living room. And you sharing that and just feeling like, wow, I, I don't, I, I just felt so heartbroken for you and also just so helpless and not knowing what to do or, or how to help. And I now hearing that it's just like, I'm so glad that our presence and just being able to listen and honor the memory of that beautiful soul that you carried for that time that, that just brings me um, a lot of yeah, a lot of hope. And I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, I was thankful. Um, and, and, you know, now when you're a mom and you have a living child and, you know, days are crazy and nights are long, we need a village um, in that kind of like 
can I grab your groceries? Can I come help? Do you want to have a play date so you get out of the house type of way? But back then, just um, all of our friends being around, going out or staying in or whatever we did back then, that mattered. Um, so so there are different types of villages, you know? <laughs> and yeah, now having a kid, I'm like, I can't even imagine and just, yeah, yeah. it totally changes. Yeah. Things. And and it's, it is important to me to be someone that is there for other people. And I really do believe that, like, I don't. I don't think I'll ever get to a point where, you know, I have complete peace with what happened or I say, oh, God has an, you know, I I don't think I'll ever get there. But I am thankful to God that there have been countless amount of people that have brought up their miscarriage or a very similar situation. And I've been able to be there for them or say, I understand, you know, like I was saying before, with stigmas, people will be like, well, you were only a few weeks, right? Thank God. Or, well, at least you got a healthy child after. The best is like several people saying, and one of them a doctor, likely what happened was, you know, there was something wrong with that baby and that's why your body couldn't hold it. Like as if, you know, they were like a genetic mutation. As if a genetic mutation were the worst thing that could happen, I would have loved that child and you know that child anyway and those are hard things to hear um and just you know I was young I was married for two years and so what do you say to people who are young and married for two years when are you having a baby and so that's all you hear um but at the same time you know people are just happy for you and they're trying to make conversation I guess it's just yeah. Not the conversation you want to have <laughs> after uh, after that. So yeah, don't people have just the best things to say to moms all the time? <laughs> it's the greatest. I actually, I was listening to your podcast this morning, and I don't remember if I was listening to the one that came out today or like a few weeks ago. One, but someone was saying, why don't, why don't they tell us this? Why don't they tell us that, you know, but the truth is people do tell us and we just think they're assholes. (laughs) They're like, you're never going to sleep again. And you're like, well, that's the truth. You are never going to sleep again, but it's not always because of your baby. It's, it could be a million things or, you know, oh, your life is over. And it's like, well, you're not wrong. <laughs> it's just that my, my new life is going to begin. That's the part they left out. But, you know, people are always going to say something and just doesn't make it easy. So my um, second miscarriage, and this is something else that I struggle with too. I have friends, we all, I'm sure, have friends that struggle so much with infertility. And that breaks my heart. Like, truly crushes me. I feel so awful because the three measly months that I waited between my miscarriage and my healthy pregnancy were treacherous. So I can't imagine people for years going through it. But basically, you know, last summer, Frankie sneezed, I got pregnant. And it was that unexpected. Like it really was. (laughs) And you know, of course, mom guilt. I have guilt about that because I have friends that can't get pregnant and I just seem to not not get pregnant. And it was completely unexpected. <laughs> and 
I really know my body well now after four pregnancies. So I literally woke up and was like, I'm pregnant. And Frankie was like, oh, calm down. And I was like, no, I, I really think I'm pregnant, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, again, pee on the stick and I'm pregnant. And we're like, oh my gosh, it's not that we didn't want more kids, but oh my gosh, like (laughs) we have a four-year-old and a two-year-old and oh my gosh. And I was shocked, but, and this is like, I don't believe that mother's intuition is for everyone, but I do believe that like, I know my body and I know my kids' bodies and I never, like, I knew something wasn't right. I just did. It just like, didn't feel I don't know do you guys know or no it it just yeah you know your own body you know when something's not not and there was nothing that I could tell you like it's not that I was getting sick or wasn't it's not that I was crampy or wasn't I just didn't didn't feel right and I went to the doctor and she was a new doctor at my practice and she calls me the next day after my blood work and she's like you're pregnant and I'm like oh, but, you know, like how low were my numbers? And, you know, I don't know. And she was like, she was like, no, nope, those things don't matter. They they don't. And I am known to be a negative person. Um, And (laughs) Maria's laughing. And um, (laughs) I said to Frankie, you know, I just like, I, I can't get my hopes up because I really don't feel good about this. And he, of course, just came down on me like, you're so negative. Why are you doing this? You know, and so I allowed myself a little bit to get, you know, to get there to look up what my due date would be and think about, you know, boy or girl or this or that and when would they be due. And But ultimately, I don't know, three weeks later, and this is how much I knew it wasn't right. I, I didn't call my OB and I have guilt about that. Like, should I have? But I just knew, like I... I kept saying, I wish I didn't even pee on the stick. I wish I didn't go to the doctor because then maybe I wouldn't know. But I I eventually called and I think my appointment was like on a Tuesday, but that Saturday before at my son's fifth birthday party, I started bleeding. Um, And I just like knew and it was so weird. It wasn't a sigh of relief in that it was over. I was devastated. It was a piece of okay I knew this was coming and now it's here you knew you were prepared and like yeah totally it was so strange I just like knew and no part of me didn't want that baby no part of me uh that's not what it was about it I just never felt right it's the strangest thing um so Whereas with my first miscarriage, I was like devastated immediately and everything changed for me. The second time I was like, I think I shielded myself too much. So it didn't like skim my surface. And I remember texting you, Bethany. It it was like a few weeks later. And I just remember being like, I need to say something. She's like the only, literally, Bethany, you were the only person other than my one friend, Lauren, that knew I was pregnant the only person. And I was like swearing that I wouldn't tell anyone because I knew. And I'm like, oh gosh, because we were at Sean's birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We were at Sean's birthday party and Mer- I, I don't know what I said. And Bethany was just like, you're pregnant, aren't you? And I was like, oh my God, like, how do you know? She was like, I don't even. I just felt bad because <laughs> like in my gut, I like felt don't ask. Like it's not your business. Don't ask. 
and I shouldn't have. And I felt like really guilty afterwards. Like I, I really did. I understand. It's a, it's a touchy thing. But we're friends, mm-hmm. you know, and you know me. I'll talk yeah. about anything with anyone. So I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, I remember texting you and just being like, just, it was a weird text. Too. I was like, just to let you know, I was pregnant and now I'm not. Remember? <laughs> it was very strange. I feel like it was like the timing made sense though, because like you knew some stuff that we were dealing with. So it just like those t- those lines just crossed you know like you understood that com- like you understand the community of of women that need to be heard and not feel like they're being silenced or that they don't that they don't get to like celebrate and grieve those losses yeah and those lives like so this one was just different in that i kind of like i put up a block and i just like lived my life and acted like it was nothing and we didn't tell anyone not like in the way that the first time i wanted our parents to know and Um, my friends to know. And then eventually I started, you know, telling a few friends, I I lost the baby in August. I think I told my friends and sister in December. And what was different was that I do have like a quote unquote village right now. I really do. I have a group. um, I have four friends, one of them is my sister and then um, three other gals. And they're all, you know, young moms like myself. And they are, my lifeline, literally through the whole pandemic, through everything. We, we just get each other. We do not agree on everything. We really don't, but we support each other. And we, I mean, I hate the term, but like talk about ride or die. Like these girls are there for me at the drop of a hat. Like you should have been in our texts in the early pandemic when we couldn't find like milk and toilet paper because man, we were driving to Canada. Like we just had each other's backs and we really haven't stopped. But for whatever reason, I I waited a long time to tell them. And then I think it was like, and I'm just starting to process this like in the last few months, but I think it was like the holiday season that really got me to realize like oh wow you know I I would have I would have had a big belly right now as opposed to my food baby belly that I do have um <laughs> I I would have had a big belly and I was in Kohl's with Frankie uh like before Christmas and there were mother daughter matching sneakers and it's so stupid but I just like lost it I lost it. I was so beside myself. And he was even like, whoa, where did, you know, where did this come from? Like, you've barely spoken about this. And I don't know what happened. (laughs) Grief is weird. And so it did get a little harder, December, January, February. And I did, I loved your podcast this morning about depression and mental health, um, because I've been on a mental wellness journey for many, many years. Um, so I did start a different antidepressant in, um, like November, December, trying out like ADHD stuff. So maybe that's where it came from. I don't know, but for sure my village helped me and in a way that they don't even know also kind of like the first time, like they're just, they're there to listen when they need it. And then they're there to just make me laugh when I need it. Yeah. Some days I am totally, totally fine. And then other days I'm literally like, I have no idea how I'm going to do this, which we all are, right? It's definitely how grief creeps up. It will be, it will be let out one way or another. Yes, absolutely. And I love how you summarized it. Like 
your village is there to listen and and get you to laugh when you need it. Because I was going to ask, like, what what support do these moms need that are experiencing miscarriages? And I feel like that sums it up so beautifully. Like, just people that can create space for them mm-hmm. so they can be heard and just loved on. And also just to give them some, you know, time to laugh and get their mind off of things. And is there anything else you wanted to add to that of, like, what could, what could we do to just support moms that are going through that? Um... Yeah, I don't, it's all, some people don't want to really speak about it and others do. So definitely, like you're saying, a space for, man, if you need to talk about it, do it, to be open. And I have seen people squirm. Like, I know it's uncomfortable to listen to, but as you guys are willing, um, because you've created this space, you know, let people um, speak about it and be open to talk about it and everyone's experience is so different. Unfortunately, you know, they say one in four women lose uh, a pregnancy, lose a baby. And that's just the ones you know about. And some people lose their babies at six weeks and some people lose them way further along. And both of those, um, I don't want to say they're the same, but both of those deserve, you know, time to be mourned and to express how they feel. Um, I'm a huge advocate of therapy, but I know a lot of people don't feel comfortable with that. But if you could just find one mom friend, man, you're in good shape (laughs) these days. Um, One mom friend that really will listen and really will be there for you and know that, man, some days you look like you're on top of the world and other days you can just tell by looking at someone that they're the lowest of the low right now. Thank you so much for sharing your um, your story. Yeah. I was thinking this morning as I was listening to your past episodes, I'm like, geez, this is going to be the least giggly episode they ever put out. And I'm sorry for that. <laughs> <laughs> I am very sorry. <laughs> no. No, don't be sorry. I am a very big believer in the, um, like you said, when you like talk about it, you can see people squirm. And I think we had the saying, like, the don't avert your eyes from don't look uh, away. Yeah. yeah, don't look away. Like, we we need to hear these stories and we need to let people have spaces where they can share them so that, you know, it's just easier for other people and so that we get used to knowing what to do and we can just be better, better moms and better friends. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I was younger... Maybe not that much younger. Bethany and Maria are going to laugh, but I, I just, I definitely have always been someone who will say whatever's on their mind and say exactly how I feel. And especially when I was in like high school and I never cared what people thought. I would say exactly how I felt. I didn't care what you were going to think, or if I was going to hurt your feelings, you were going to hear it. And man, has life humbled me. Because um, becoming a mom, I mean, there are people literally that I'll, I'll see their Instagram and I'll be like, I should literally call them and apologize. And I'm not kidding. Just apologize. It's just a blanket apology of high school. But nothing has humbled me like becoming a mom and like going through, I mean, just think about all the things you judged <laughs> when even before you were a mom, like 
oh my gosh, her kid has a bottle in their three. Do you know that Jacob and Judah have a TV in their room? What is wrong? You know, just, I mean, it could be anything. <laughs> like you're judging gentle parenting. You're judging old school parenting. You're judging organic. You're judging non-organic. It doesn't matter. We are trying to get through the day. Every single day. And man, does it humble you to look back on the very, very silly things you cared about when mm-hmm. you when you realize how precious the little things are. So, so true. Oh my gosh. Like seeing a kid have a like a temper tantrum in the middle of a store. Now I'm like, they just need to be hugged and listened yeah, to. And I, and whatever. I'm like that. But also, I know my mom will walk by and they'll be like, oh, what is that mother doing to that kid? I'm like, what is that kid doing to that mother? <laughs> I love it. And it's all and good. It, it, it is what it is. We all made it out. <laughs> it's what it is. One way or another. Yeah. I'd like to briefly circle back to how Bethany has this magical power of detecting people's pregnancies. What? <laughs> Mo said this before, and like I didn't know what she was talking about. Have I called another pregnancy that I didn't know about? I feel like you you do that consistently. <laughs> but really, well, I you used also, to. Yeah, you have dreams about people yeah, being pregnant. Yes, I used to have dreams about people being pregnant, and then they were. Uh, <laughs> my mother-in-law actually literally has like she has a gift and she always knows when people are pregnant and it's wild and whenever she starts a sentence with i had a dream i'm like no 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 don't put that on me it wasn't me was it um but yeah yeah that, that's this is like a sixth sense like the sixth sense of like detecting someone being pregnant maybe it's got to just be that intuition right like there's something with that you know maybe i i don't know i can't explain it but or it like happens. post-trauma and just reading faces really <laughs> well i don't know <laughs> we'll get into that another episode i was trying to end it on a light note here <laughs> oh yes that yeah <laughs> So I know that you spoke about saying that like the, you know, your village was there to listen when you needed them to listen and make you laugh when you need them to make you laugh. But like, can you think of anything else that really kind of warmed your heart that they did aside from that during that time that made you feel like really, really love that you can pass on as maybe like another suggestion for people or also kind of want to hear like more of the cringiest things that people said to you so that they know not to say it. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. I can't think of um, anything specific that anyone did for me. Um, my husband did send me a necklace uh, with our first baby's uh, birthstone on it. And that was really beautiful. And I loved that. Um, but other than that, just people checking on me um, <laughs> obviously was important. Man, cringy things are... I could go on. Um, Someone once said to me, at least you can get pregnant even though you don't stay pregnant. Wow. Because she was struggling with fertility. And again, I would never wish that on anyone, but woof. Um, That's woof. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Um, And, you know, Trey, my oldest, is five, and he had uh, colic for 10 months, and it was a 
rough 10 months. I had, uh, I listened to your guys' birth stories too. I had a traumatic birth. I had uh, 21 hours of labor and then an emergency C-section after pushing for three and a half hours, yada, yada. It was awful. And then came (laughs) 10 months of crying and, you know, reflux and colic and, uh, geez, does that do a number on a marriage? And I remember when he was like five months old and someone close to me who, you know, knew that I lost our first and that we wanted a baby so bad was like, (laughs) as I was weeping, just because he would never stop crying was like, well, this is what you wanted. I knew that was coming. I knew that's what you were going to say. No. Yeah. So very fun. (laughs) Lord have mercy. Yeah. Lord have mercy on everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I guess we also have to think about like what kind of stuff that person must have been going through to like. Yeah, I also I really just think, too, that, man, we don't think before we speak. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. I did that for many years, too. I didn't think before I spoke. Another one that I don't think I'll ever not think about <laughs> is that someone said, well, I don't know anything about that because no one in this family ever had that. Like just meaning, you know, no, none of us lose our babies. You did kind of thing. Um, which come to find out later was not true at all. Not even close. Um, so that was fun. Yeah. I don't know. There's not really, there's not really anything good to say. There's not a pretty way to put it, but there, it doesn't need to be. That's the thing. Like motherhood is not all easy to talk about or like simple like it's all complex it's all like rife with like fucking like mind field right now like yeah specific situations and you know Mm -hmm. just having grace man just have great Mm -hmm. we're not all gonna have the same story and we're not all gonna react the same way Mm -hmm. learning to be more gracious and that can even be you know, sometimes people really do think they're, what they're saying is nice. Like, at least you weren't in your second trimester. I mean, I don't really understand how someone can think that's nice, but, you know, they do, I guess. Yeah, some people just feel like they need to fill that gap, that, like, yeah. just say something, even though they might think they're being encouraging, but, but it's good to have this, like, have you share this. So that hopefully people who are like, oh, shoot, I did say that to someone one time can be like, oh, now I know that I was wrong. I can be empathetic with Maureen's story and I can change the way that I approach yeah. this. So it is so important to share and that. And just knowing that just because someone has a healthy child or five healthy children doesn't diminish the that life that they did lose. You know, I think about it this way. I have a dear friend who has four children four living healthy children and I'm like we've been pregnant the same amount of times Mm. I have two kids and she has four you know and I'll that'll always be my story you know that'll never that'll never leave me so just to be mindful of what you say no matter what (laughs) not just with miscarriage and infertility we just also have like that idea that we have to like compete with each Mm -hmm. other as like women and then as moms like who's the better mom and it's just like we're all really you know that's our that's our main thing we're all struggling in some way or another and we all need help and we all need to be heard hopefully people when they listen to your story just get a little more you know compassion and 
just look at the situation differently and instead of looking at that mom and like being like oh her kid is like screaming in the middle of the restaurant just like take a breath and be like I see you that happened to me last week it's okay (laughs) yeah 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 it's a lot to unpack um but just being there and being understanding right not that much to ask for but also so much to ask for (laughs) feelings make people uncomfortable and the grief is is something that makes people uncomfortable i know like i personally have never experienced like the loss of someone who i really cared about so grief for me is uncomfortable and i always have to like check in with myself whenever i'm around someone who has experienced it to be like don't be a fucking idiot (laughs) (laughs) try to put yourself in there yeah try to have like a little more compassion just because you don't know the feeling yet you know what i mean like i'm gonna experience it at some point obviously doesn't mean that like their experience is invalid (laughs) absolutely but yeah thank you so much for sharing with us mo this has been so just like a great learning experience honestly it i always love to just hear you talk <laughs> all the time like i don't know why it's just Good something about the way that you phrase things the way that you like are so earnest about how you talk like just you're open and and it's like it makes it easy to like digest what you're saying and like be able to reflect as you're saying it does that make sense i don't know it's just like, yeah thank you bethany i appreciate that i just feel grateful that you you are so willing to share something so like yours. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like she has a really good way. Of, I think she's very thoughtful with the things that she says. So it makes it easy for to like, get it. I guess. Thank you. Communication is so important to me. Um, I feel like it always has been whether I, I was doing it incorrectly or not, which I, I was. Um, but now in a healthy manner, communication is very important to me. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. But you you had written in the um in the email like that the question one of the questions was what's a creative outlet for you? Yeah, we'd love to hear more. About you that. guys are so amazing and I really do love I love following you guys because I mean, you're also creative. I've known Mimi the longest and she's an artist and I've always loved her art and she's so freaking creative. I could go on and on. And Bethany, obviously you're amazing. And I know that people see you more as a, oh my gosh. Weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But you know, I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say artist, (laughs) like, like drawing artist. But in my eyes, you're, you know, a musician and that's like your gift but I don't I'm not an artist and I hate music so (laughs) (laughs) so it's funny that you started with the book thing because that's what I've been thinking about when you you know sent me that question man it's not really a creative outlet but with me with books this is so lame to say out loud but they really do they bring you to a different world my mind is so numb when I'm reading when I'm in the middle of a book and, you know, I'm living their life through them. And when I'm at Hogwarts and, you know, um, I'm literally in a different space and that mind numbingness is so important to me. And I know that's lame, but it really is. And then the other insanely lame grandma thing that I do is jigsaw puzzles. (laughs) Oh my God. I love jigsaw puzzles. I know it became so big in the pandemic to do jigsaw puzzles, but I literally have been doing them my whole life. My grandma had this huge wooden board and she would 
always be doing a puzzle and we would come over and help. And I, at 31, have the same huge big board and there's always a puzzle <laughs> in my house, except it's usually being ruined by my children. I, I was I was literally going to say, because me and Sean, where we always talk about how like we miss doing puzzles when we first had Liam, when we first worked together, we would work on one like every night. And when Liam was like, you know, like good about going to bed and not like pounding around, we could leave it, you know, like it could just exist and like we could fill in little pieces. And now we sit here and we're like, well, what would we do? Like we have like three puzzles that we've like collected that aren't open and we're like, "Mm, we miss it so much. I will hide my puzzle in different places so that my kids cannot find it and and eat the pieces. And if you follow me on Instagram, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so yeah, I have to hide the pieces so my pika child doesn't eat them, but I do love doing puzzles. I feel like those are absolutely creative outlets. Like in my mind, absolutely. Like the way that I feel like your mind works, puzzling things together, that's so creative and Mm -hmm. like transporting to another like dimension essentially Mm -hmm. in all these characters. That's so creative and that's awesome. Thank you for sharing those things. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you guys. I appreciate you listening. All right. We did it. This was a this was great. So I'll hand it off to Bethany. But Maureen, thank you so much for sharing this, especially on this day. I know this is a hard day, and I hope that this process has been healing for you. It has been. I, um, I it's been a safe space for you. I know I really appreciate you guys. I appreciate you listening and if there is anyone who listens to this that um, wants someone to speak to, I am more than happy to speak to anyone. You can ask for my contact info from these lovely ladies, and I'm happy to listen. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Love you so much, Mo. Love you, guys. Love you, Mo. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. This has been another episode of Shut Up, Mom, a production by Hythe Collective. You can follow us on Instagram at Hythe Collective. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. This has been Shut Up Mom, a Hythe Collective podcast. You can find us on TikTok and Instagram at at Hythe Collective. Our music is provided by Honey Yard. You can find them on Spotify. Thank you for listening. Thank you.